John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8. So our reading this morning is from John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. For the next uh, couple of weeks, this week's the first one, uh, the next three weeks after this, we're going to be looking at John chapter 15. And as we start out in the new year, I think it's a really relevant passage for us. Because we either lay the right foundations for this year, or we just have another year built on the wrong ones. And we will bear those consequences. And so, we're going to look at this chapter which is crucial to the Christian life. Today, especially amongst Generation YZ and also Generation Alpha coming up soon now, we have this internet dependency, dependency on the Wi-Fi. I find it with the tourists who come through my place. The first question is, have you got Wi-Fi? The second question is, have you got a bed? We've got so dependent on it that there's actually a physical condition now of withdrawal that people go through if they can't get internet. Do an experiment with yourself to see how far you are down the road. Switch off your iPhone or whatever. That's not a real phone. Uh, switch off your telephone, whatever that might be, and try and stay off grid just for one day. I'm not saying a week. One day only. No internet of any kind. Not even peeking on your friends one. And see what you go through. You see, psychologists and clever people who study these things say that there's the same type of dependency people get on the internet as what they get for alcohol and all kinds of things. They get so dependent on it that when they withdraw from it, when they can't get it, they actually go through withdrawal. Interesting what we're developing as a modern society. Now, I didn't come here to speak about the internet. I came here to speak about another type of connectedness. 
And that's why I bought the special, and it's not a vine in case you were wondering, you people that know plants. This is just from a plane tree. It's a plain old plane tree branch. But what can you notice about this plain old plane tree branch? It's looking a bit sad, eh? Middle of summer. It hasn't been attached to the tree for how long? Four days. And it's not looking too happy, is it? It's on its way out. I wonder, as we start this year, you might be feeling like this already. But what are you going to be like towards the end of this year, spiritually? I'm not talking physically. Because physically we all look a bit like this sometimes. But spiritually. Is this what your life's going to be like? And the question, this Bible passage we're looking at this morning, and that's the main thrust of it, and I'm putting it right up front, is Jesus said, if you're not connected to the vine, you will wither. You cannot live. You will die. And there he should have sat down. But I won't. You see, it's such a crucial lesson, this to us. If you are not in Jesus Christ, you cannot have spiritual life. You can only experience spiritual death. Believer, if you want to go through this year and you want to thrive in Jesus Christ, you must be connected to Jesus Christ. And I'll explain what that is. And you must stay connected. I'm speaking to believers. You must stay connected to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you will end up looking like this in your life. Who's being addressed here? What's the context here? When we look at this passage, John chapter 15, Jesus was spending the last of his time with his disciples. Judas had just been identified as the one who would betray Christ. He had just left the group. Jesus had just given them the command, the greatest command of all. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And, and now he gives them the next instructions. These are his last words to his apostles. And then he's going to leave. And major things are going to happen. And they're going to go through a major personal and spiritual crisis as they see their Savior, the one they thought to was going to be with them, dying on a cross. Is it all over? And so Jesus leaves these words with them as an encouragement to them. And so he's here with his 11 apostles. And so why does he use this specific allegory of a vine? He uses it for two reasons. Firstly, to assure them in their faith in Him. And secondly, as a warning to remain faithful to Him. So firstly, to assure them that they are in Christ. But secondly, as a warning to remain in Him, in their faith, bearing God-honoring fruit. <coughs> Excuse me. And he uses this very well-known plant. They all knew about vines. Every single one of them would know about vines. They didn't have very good water those days. And so, this thing's going to bother me now. They didn't have very good water those days. And so, what they would do is drink watered down wine. Because that had gone through a fermentation process and it didn't kind of bring the bugs. Good bugs. 
And so he uses this illustration of the vine because they all knew it. And they also knew it as Jews because they'd often been compared to the vine of God or those who were supposed to bear spiritual fruit for the Lord. Psalm 80 verse 8 to 11 describes how Israel is the vine of God and the vineyard of God. But unfortunately they weren't a good vineyard. God had done a lot for them, said the book of Isaiah. And they were a bad vineyard. He had cultivated the ground around them, but they didn't bear the fruit, the good fruit that a vine and a vineyard was supposed to show. And so they knew this whole concept. And when Jesus said, you are, I am the vine, you are the branches, immediately they had all this context around them, which we don't necessarily have. And so, what does he highlight to them as we look at verses 1 and 3 in this text this morning? What does he highlight to them? He says this, <coughs> Take note of the words, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. I'm referring to these ones now. So what is he speaking about here? He says, I am the true vine. You see, Israel had been called by God to be a choice vine for pure seed, Jeremiah 2.21. They were supposed to be God's vine before the world. But Israel <coughs> had failed in their role. And all they had yielded was wild grapes, says Isaiah 5. Grapes which were sour, grapes which were used for nothing, grapes which were trampled underground and useful for nothing either. And so God in His sovereign plan had already provided for them the true vine. The one who would come, the Messiah. The one who had been foretold throughout the Old Testament. The one who would become to be the real and the everlasting vine. I am the true vine, says Jesus, the Messiah. I have come to fulfill God's promise to Israel. What you couldn't do, I will do. And what does He do? The true vine gives life to the branches. And here's the lesson. Jesus must give new life. You can't have new life except in Jesus Christ. You, can, you can't go to any other religion and find spiritual life, which is true. He is the true vine. He is the true source of life. It doesn't help wherever you, else you go. It's a false vine. You will not find true life. This is God speaking, the creator of human beings. And in his manual to us, he says, I am the true vine. Come to me if you want real life. Without me, you can't have life. Without me, you can't bear fruit of any kind. You will bear fruit, though, which is evil. Without Jesus Christ, there is no spiritual life. And therefore, to use Christianese, you must be born again. You must be born into Jesus Christ. He must give you life from Him, put it into you and put you into Himself. You must be born again. You must become a part of Christ if you want His sap of spiritual life to go into you. I think I'm fairly prominent on that point now. You see, without it, people wander around this life looking for life in all kinds of sources except where they can find it. 
And then verse 3, he says an interesting thing. He says, already you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You see, by faith in the word of Christ, the eleven had come to him. They had heard the words of Jesus Christ. They believed what he had said and they would received life from him. It came by faith. They had been, they'd received life in them. They'd been justified is the Christian word there. They'd been put into Christ and made right before God. You see, before this they'd been in rebellion before God. But now, in Christ, they'd been made right before God. They'd been justified before Him. And now they were in the process of being made to be like Christ. They were now in the cleansing process that in Christianese we call sanctification, to be made like Jesus Christ. And so they'd moved from believer to disciple through this cleansing and pruning work that God would do in them through His Word. That's what He speaks about in verses 1 and 3. So if you're in Jesus Christ, you're a believer. But you don't stay at being a believer. You become a disciple. One who is cleansed as you walk your walk. You can't just stay in one position. You must be cleansed. You must bear fruit. Otherwise you've got to come back to point A. Am I a believer? And so there's the first application. I'll make it real simple today. It's right there for you. To be a fruit-bearing branch of the vine, you must be in Christ. There is no other way to have life. Full stop. Secondly, and as we're going through these points, please check your own spiritual life. It doesn't matter how long you've been sitting in this church, and, or if this is your first time you've come and you've been going to hundreds of other churches. It doesn't matter. Are you in Christ or aren't you in Christ? That's it. What else do we learn from this passage? Verse 2. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he, that is the vine dresser, look up in verse 1a, eh? my father is the vine dresser, my father will take every, let's just start again, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So what's this all about? There's two things here. There's a warning first, and then there's grace. What is the warning? Here's the warning. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he that is the Father takes away. What is this speaking about? What had just happened before Jesus spoke these words? Judas, who had been one of the twelve, and everyone had trusted him because he even had the money bags. He had been revealed to be not one of us. They thought he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. But they found out to their shock and horror, Judas, one of us, is a traitor. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So what's it speaking about there? It's speaking about those who profess a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, but there is no fruit in their lives to back up that claim. Now please listen carefully to me, because churches today are filled with many of these people. They profess the name of Jesus Christ, they wear the right clothes, they have the biggest Bibles, but there is no spiritual fruit in their lives. When you look back on your life, 
Do you see spiritual fruit on your life? What are some of those spiritual fruits? Come on, name them for me. Joy, peace, love, long-suffering. There are many of them. Do you see those fruits of the Spirit in your life? If you don't, please, please hear me. Come back to this point. Ask yourself, am I a believer? Am I in the vine? Because there's no fruit. Don't kid yourself. Don't be tricked by Satan into believing you're a Christian when you're not. Jesus says, Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit is taken away. Those who profess the name of Jesus Christ, but there is no fruit, get taken away. Because they are not real branches. There's no fruit to back up that claim of being in Christ. They've never been true disciples. And then the mercy comes, and every branch that bears fruit, he cleanses and prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Now, if you look in your Bible, you'll see one of a few versions over there, because there's more to this word. It's not just prunes. The word here is cleanses and prunes. So the father comes as the vine dresser. He's got his shears out, and he prunes. But he also cleanses by doing that. Why? What does he do? Here it is. If you're a branch in the vine, you will bear fruit. But unfortunately in our lives, there's also fruit that comes in our lives that shouldn't be there. Those bad habits, those blatant sins, those those distractions, that disobedience before the Lord. That's the bad fruit in my life. Because I'm still a sinful creature being made to be like Jesus Christ. I still struggle with sin. And so the Heavenly Father comes and with love He prunes my life and He takes away that bit of branch that's dead and curling up. That's not bearing the fruit it should. And yes, it's going to hurt. But praise the Lord, that's not all. You see, part of the whole process in the nation of Israel, when they were busy looking after the orchards, they weren't just prune a branch, they also had a solution which they would wash the leaves with. Now today we use spray units. And even if they are organic, they still spray with organic sprays. But they spray. What does a spray do? The spray gets rid of bugs and diseases which could affect the leaves of the plant and the fruit itself in the end, right? And so in Israel, they didn't have spraying units and tractors with trailers. They had to do it by hand. And so the vine dresser would come to each plant and he would prune it. And then he'd look at the condition of the leaves and he'd wash it with a solution that they had, which would wash away the bird poop and all kinds of diseases that they could recognize, the rust and all kinds of other things. And they would wash it away so that that plant had the best chance to give the best fruit. It's a pruning and cleansing. And how does he do that? He does that, how, says verse 2, through his word. And that's why we need to be in God's word. Because as we read God's word, he challenges our lives. And as we read God's word, he convicts our lives. And as we carry on reading in that conviction, the Father prunes our lives. And sometimes it does hurt. And then he washes us with his word. And he brings new life. And he brings health and happiness and wholeness to our lives. That's how this works. And so there's your second application. 
to be a fruit-bearing branch of the vine, the Father must cleanse you by pruning and washing through the Word. If you have the King James, it says He must purge you. That's that combination. Now that's not all. God's role in this whole relationship of the vine is described. Jesus is the one who is the vine and the Father is the vine dresser. He looks after that vine and the fruit that comes from it. But there's a third party over here. And that's the branches of the vine. That's you and I, if you're believers here. You see, the first two actions are God's prerogative. But the third one is where our, dis- our obedience or disobedience comes in. This is how we work together with God in that process of salvation. We can't save ourselves, but once we are saved by God alone, we then walk and work with God, 100% God, 100% us, in our salvation. This is what this is about. Verse 4, Abide in me and I will be abiding in you, says the literal. Abide in me, and I will be abiding in you. Wow, what a promise to us, 2019. And here's the application right up front. To be a fruit-bearing branch of the vine, you must abide in Christ. Now, haven't you already said that, Calvin? You said I must be in Christ. I did, but this is the next point. You must pay attention and wake up. Alright? I'm being friendly. You must abide in Christ. What does the word abide mean? You see, the word abide is slightly different to being in Christ. The word abide means you must remain and have fellowship with Christ. In the original Jewish terms, it meant put up your tent, give the camels water, unpack your stuff, make camp here. Abide in Christ. Make camp in Christ. Have fellowship with Christ. Have meal with Christ. Spend time with Christ. Build a relationship with Jesus Christ. Abide in Christ. If you abide in me, look at the opposite. I will be abiding in you. Do you see how it works? We spend time with Jesus Christ. He spends time with us. We camp out with Him. He camps out with us. We discuss life with Him. He discusses life with us through His Word. We spend time in His Word. He speaks through His Word. We abide in Him. Unfortunately today, it's a very one-sided relationship. No one's camping much. Takes too long, bro. I just want to be a Christian. I don't want to do any of this abiding stuff. Takes too long. I've got stuff to do. No time to read God's Word. No time for a relationship. Tick the box. I'm a Christian. doesn't work like it. This is the third part. This is our responsibility. Abide in me and I will be abiding in you. That's what it is. John chapter 8 verse 31 to 32 describes it like this. John chapter 8 verse 31 to 32. Look at what it says. Here's that phrase again. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth And the truth will set you free. There you go. You see, abiding in Christ brings real freedom. So what does that look like? What does abiding in the Word look like? 
It means I must believe God's word when I read it and then act in accordance with that word. In other words, I must obey the commandments that the Lord puts on my heart. Those things He brings to my attention, I must make sure that I'm doing with the strength that the Lord gives me. And that means I must spend time in the Word. I must allow the Word to dwell richly in me. I must meditate on it. We've looked at this this past holiday. I must meditate on God's Word. Mull over on it in your mind. I must abide, and if I abide, He has promised He will be abiding in me. And I will know His presence. And it will be a permanent abiding and remaining presence from Christ's side in me. He will be with me. He has promised He'll be with me. He's not going to withdraw. And even when I sin, He will not withdraw. He will deal with that sin in my life. As a heavenly Father and as a Son who loves me, that sin will get dealt with. Because He loves me. And as He sends His Spirit, His Spirit indwells me. And He will never let me go. Because of sin. You see, He takes the initiative. He draws he calls me. And we, when we respond to Him by faith, which is a gift from Him anyway, then all His sovereign grace from start to finish comes into effect on us. But we still have the responsibility of abiding in Him. God will draw me. God will give me life. He will put me in Christ. He will make sure He will never leave me nor forsake me. I will never be lost if I'm a true believer. Christ has promised that. He said... All those that the Father has given me, I will never let go. But we are to abide in Him. That's our responsibility. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. Turn, me, turn there if you would with me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. This is what it says. This is how we work with God in our salvation. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed, here it is, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. There it is. I need to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting. Sad to say, many among us, and we know many of them, have shifted. They are no longer walking with the Lord as they should. And we trust that if God has done a saving work in their lives, that He will bring them back to Himself because He said He would. But at the same time, some of those could possibly not be believers at all. They thought they were. And now they walk without Christ. We need to pray for all those that we know who have had a confession of faith. We need to pray that God would do His will and His work in them. And the last part of this of this verse, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The problem is today, all of us want to be branch managers. We want to be the ones in charge. Jesus puts it into perspective here. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
get in your place. He said that with love. See, we want to rule our lives. We want to be in the driving seats of our cars. We don't want the Lord driving. We want to be the vine. And that's a continual battle we have in our lives. We want to be God in our own lives. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And this is where the encouragement comes in. He says, because if you are the branches, you will bear much fruit. There's the promise from God. What does a branch have to do to bear fruit? It's just got to be there. Not this one. The branch just has to be in the, in the vine. That's all. doesn't have to wave its branches around. doesn't have to do exercise. It just has to be there. Stay connected to the vine. And what will happen? It will bear fruit. Because the vine dresser is looking after it. And the vine is pumping juices into that branch. You just have to be there. And you will bear fruit. Where's the pressure? You see, there's no pressure here to perform. You don't have to have this fruit and that fruit and this fruit. And when you look down the list, oh, I'm missing that one. I better go back again and try that one. Just be in Christ. He will give you the fruit that come into your life. It's His gift to you. Be there. You are the branches. You will bear fruit. We are fruit bearers. He is the source. And we can just be encouraged by that. And then he warns again, apart from me, or the word is severed from me, and it's a word for cut off. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's his reminder again. You're not going to bear fruit outside of Christ. But if you're in him, you will bear fruit fruit he's promised you and therefore be encouraged you see how often don't we try and go it alone but we need to be reminding ourselves here that we are not independent units disconnected from the vine we die you cannot live without him and i want to say something to you as believers here today we're at the beginning of the year believer there will be no fruit in your life unless you are in relationship and abiding in Christ. There are many Christians who complain of barrenness, of living unproductive, fruitless, dry, listless spiritual lives. It's not the fault of the vine. You are not experiencing growth, and you will not see spiritual development. You will remain dry and spiritually listless and stunted unless you ask Jesus Christ to reconnect you in your relationship to Him. Because sin has got in the way. Do you want to be fruitful and live a vibrant, living life before Lord this year? Then ask the Lord to keep you in one with Him in that abiding. And keep that sin from you. Any unbelievers who are here today, if you still haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, if He still is not your Lord, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a drunkard, a thief, a murderer, an adulterer, but also a college professor, a businessman, a career woman, the parent or a politician or even students. If you haven't embraced Jesus Christ, then nothing you do will be acceptable before God. Nothing. You will have wasted your life. Romans 14 says this, Whatever does not 
proceed from faith is sin. And is that the epitaph you want on your tombstone one day? Here lies Samantha Smith, a wasted life, lifeless, godless. If you don't come to Jesus Christ, that will be written across your life. And if you're a believer here today, if you live a a disobedient life before the Lord, trying to go it in your own strength, then the fruits in your life will remain meager. And the salt will lose its saltiness this year. And it will result in your life and service being dead works. And the Bible speaks about dead works too. Unbelievers. He will prune those away. And one day you, you will have wasted your life as a believer. Don't waste your life as a believer. Don't let your life be summed up by wood, hay and stubble, which will one day be burnt away from you as dross when you appear before the Lord. Don't miss out on the great blessing of being used by God. God's kingdom will continue to be built despite you. He will work around you. He will build His kingdom. But the dross and the wood and hay and stubble will be burnt away from you because one day when you appear before Him, you will be made holy. But as Conrad Mbewe and famous African Spurgeon said, you will be smelling of smoke, brother. Don't appear in heaven smelling of smoke. If anyone's work is burned up, says 1 Corinthians 3, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't waste your life. Give your life to Jesus Christ and use it in His service while you can. Otherwise, you too, as a believer, will have wasted your life. And so, if you want to live an invigorated life this 2019, if you want to be used by the Lord, then be connected. That Wi-Fi sign must be living over your life. You must be in Christ In the true vine, allow the Father to purge and cleanse you through His pruning and washing in the Word. Abide in Christ. Stay connected to the true vine in every day of your relationship. Allow the life-giving juices of His Word to pump through you as you abide in Him. Allow the Holy Spirit to use His Word to cleanse you. Be obedient to His promptings and obey His commands. Abide in Christ and He will be abiding in you. Let's have that as the writing across our lives this year. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, thank you that we have passages like this which tell us about that relationship between us and you, Lord Jesus Christ. That if we stay connected to you in our relationship, then you have promised that you are faithful and you are the author, you are the perfecter of our faith, you will bring everything to completion in and through Jesus Christ. And one day we will be made perfect and it will be all of you. But Lord, in the meantime, you want us to work with you in our holiness. You want us to be obedient to your word. You want us to be obedient to the promptings that you put in our lives so that we will know that you are working in us.
And one day when we appear before your throne in glory, you will say, Come before me, my good and faithful servant. You've put your trust in my Son. And you can come into my heaven because of the work of my Son. All is forgiven. Thank you, God, for that connectedness in Jesus Christ and the results of hope which follow. Use this work, use this year to your glory, we pray. As believers, help us not to waste our lives this year. And as unbelievers, I pray, may we come to Jesus Christ and be saved. Otherwise, our lives will be wasted, completely wasted this year. Do your work among us, we pray.